Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. This episode is brought to you by La Quinta by Wyndham. Your work can take you all over the place, like Texas. You've never been, but it's going to be great because you're staying at La Quinta by Wyndham. Their free bright side breakfast will give you energy for the day ahead. And after, you can unwind using their free high-speed Wi-Fi. Tonight, La Quinta. Tomorrow, you shine. Book your stay today at LQ.com. There's an epidemic of misinformation, and we've got to put the record straight. So someone that's done a week-long course can call themselves a nutritionist and have no one hold them accountable for what they're saying. Don't want to call it a trend. It's new research, which is really exciting that we actually concretely have, that we okay. all have unique bacteria strains that we're finding. Some people have more what we call good bacteria than others. It's impacted from birth if you were born via C-section or vaginally. No. Yeah, that impacts the bacteria. And then how you grew up in the city or in the country or the bugs you're exposed to then also impact your microbiome. And the diet you're fed as a child will then impact your microbiome. There is no pill that will replace the benefits of a whole food diet. Not one out there. No supplement is more beneficial than what you can eat in terms of how our bodies are designed to absorb nutrition. People just need to cook more, eat more fruit and vegetables, but it's not helpful when online you've got people demonizing a can of chickpeas because it's processed. Can food make me feel depressed? Hey everyone and welcome back to another episode of A Millennial Mind. If you're as confused as I am about what to eat, what to drink, and what to do with your health, I promise you that this episode is going to give you so much clarity. I've got a registered nutritionist to help us break down all these different myths. But before we start the episode, I'd be so grateful if you could press the follow, like, and subscribe button wherever you're watching or listening to this podcast. It helps me more than you know, and I'm so excited for you to listen to it. So let's get into it. Rhiannon. Hello. Hi. Welcome to Millennial Mind. Can't believe I'm finally here. I know, after <laughs> so long. But I'm very, very happy to have you here because we need to know the science of nutrition. Did you like that little plug? I do. I, pre <laughs> I appreciate it. We're definitely at a time where it's needed. There's an epidemic of misinformation and we've got to put the record straight. So tell us a little bit about what you do. So I'm Rhiannon Lambert. I'm a registered nutritionist and an author. I've just announced my fifth book that's coming out in June. The wow. Science, yeah, The Science of Plant-Based Nutrition. And I have a clinic, the Retrition Clinic, where we help people one-to-one uh, -one with a variety of areas from sports, nutrition, eating disorders, gut health, fertility, women's health, pre-postnatal. And then the Food for Thought podcast, we're on season 17. So that's been going, I can't believe it, for such a long time. And I'm the owner of Retrition Plus, a evidence-based supplement company, and probably the only supplements company you'll see out there with only four products, because I believe people don't need tons of supplements. I'm a food first girl. So right. my role is basically to help guide people through the epidemic of misinformation. When I look on Instagram, it's like, I'm a nutritionist. 
And you can be a nutritionist, can't you, after like a two-hour course? This is the worrying thing. So the title dietitian in the UK is protected. Legally, no one can call themselves a registered dietitian. Whereas nutritionists, we do the same, pretty much same education. I've got a three-year degree, years of master's degrees, diplomas, all of it, years of study. Yet I will still graduate after all of that. And there's only a voluntary registry to become a registered nutritionist. So someone that's done a week-long course can call themselves a nutritionist and have no one hold them accountable for what they're saying. Whereas because I've chosen to be a registered nutritionist, I pay for it every year, I'm governed, I've got a code of conduct, ethics, that means that if I say anything wrong, I'll be struck off the register, I'll have to go through a vigorous um, investigation and, yeah, be held accountable for my actions. Well, no pressure on this podcast then. Yeah, no no pressure, <laughs> no. Whenever I'm doing media work, it's so fascinating. But I guess that means you can trust. There's a level of trust of what you can say. And, you know, I've had my clinic, the Retrition Clinic, since 2016. And I've got a fantastic team of registered nutritionists, dietitians, psychologists within my clinic. Right. And it's just one of the strings to the bow of the retrition business. But I'm really proud of it. And I, I think integrity stands the test of time. There's lots of people out there now that say they're a nutritionist in their Insta handle. They go viral. There's all these different things happening. But can you trust what they're saying? unless they're registered, no. So why are we in an epidemic of misinformation? And I guess, what is that misinformation that's being spread at the moment? The problem really comes when you've got clickbait headlines, which I understand it draws people in, but we lose nuance. And we have to remember that scientists get really excited about their individual area of research. So Every year, I mean, I've seen it over the last decade, it's gone from being fat to sugar being a problem, um, to oils being a problem now, to, <laughs> you know, suddenly people just want to eat meat or they just want to eat veg. And people conduct studies in a variety of different areas of research. In fact, blood sugar levels are now the current kind of thing that are being discussed. Right. And there's lots of research going on all the time behind the scenes, some sponsored by the companies themselves that want the outcome, others that aren't, but it doesn't disvalue the research sometimes these companies produce. The problem we get is when it's then applied on a one-size-fits-all level. So we are all unique, and registered nutritionists and dietitians like myself know from working in clinic, there is no one plan that will fit everybody. There's no one way of living. We are all biologically and psychologically unique. If you look at the upbringing we've had, the nature-nurture debates in life, we're still learning nutritional science. It's so new. Mm. If you think about it, we are discussing research before it's had time to be tested. And that's where you get huge problems of people, let's be honest, I think the general public are confused. A hundred percent. If only 27% are getting their five a day, roughly, that's nothing. And we've had the five a day messaging as a public health campaign for decades. 27% of people are only getting their five a day. Yeah. So less, less than half, drastically. In fact, the figure may have risen by a 2% or something at the last National Diet and Nutrition Survey that we had in the UK. But we're at a real problem where perhaps the most common deficiency in the UK is now fibre alongside being anemic. So people just are still not increasing the foods that improve their health and I think it's also partly because of the calorie conversation that yes. people dictate they think calories equates to health but also because we've got all this confusing messaging that you know a green powder or a, a pill to be taken before you eat a meal is the solution to your health and it's not. 
I mean, I'm confused. I'm, yeah. I'm genuinely always confused because I'm vegetarian. Yep. I want to eat protein. Mm-hmm. I want to be healthy. Mm-hmm. I also do like some processed foods, but I also am now very conscious around processed foods because okay. that's been the massive discussion that everyone's having. And they're saying, like, you shouldn't be eating sandwiches. You shouldn't be eating this. You shouldn't be eating that. And I'm like, I don't know what to eat. No. I don't know if you've seen this reel on Instagram where people are like, oh, I'm just going to wake up and have some cereal. Shouldn't have cereal. Yeah. Oh, I'm going to have some water. Shouldn't have water. Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm going to have a good Diet Coke. Shouldn't have that. And I feel that it's now becoming that people are also within their friendship circles and family circles shaming people for eating certain things. Two huge things spring at me from what you've just said. The first is obviously the language we use around food, which shapes our relationship with it. And that's a big problem we see within my clinical practice. The second is the ultra-processed foods conversation. And note the use of my word ultra-processed. So there's a different classification rating of foods. It's called NOVA. Um, It's not actually that clear, but minimally processed all the way through to ultra-processed. 60% of our diets now are ultra-processed foods. No way. Yeah. And you look worried at that, but actually I'm not worried when I'm saying this out loud. And that's actually because not all ultra-processed foods are bad. It's just if we have them in excess. And that's where we get the problem. You know, this is where the nuance comes in, the discussion around our diets, how frequently we eat them every single day. But it is confusing for people because it's scaremongering to a degree. And people are right. We are not cooking from scratch. You'll love the new book, The Science of Plant-Based Nutrition, because that's why I wrote it. It doesn't exist. And for people, I'm also plant-based. For people that are confused about wanting to reduce animal produce and increase more plants, doesn't mean you have to go vegan. It just means you have to be mindful of the ratio. There need to be answers. People just need to cook more, eat more fruit and vegetables. But it's not helpful when online you've got people demonizing um, a can of chickpeas because it's processed. Is a can of chickpeas processed? Because it's had a process to get to that point. It's been picked. It's been then put in a can. So this is what I mean. You have to have a look at ultra-processed Coca-Cola. Let's use Coke as the ultimate example of processed item. We know that's not good for us. We know we shouldn't be having it every single day. Maybe the artificial sweeteners might be impacting your gut health or the amount of sugar might be exceeding your daily um, allowance that works for you. Yet, if you look at a can of chickpeas that's minimally processed... That's great. It's affordable. It's cheap. It's protein for you as a vegetarian. Mm. If you pair it with some vitamin C, you've got iron as well. Chickpeas are a source of iron. People aren't aware of that. And there's research in the blue zones. If you consume more beans and pulses, you live longer. So it's a fascinating topic. I think we can save money by eating well, but it's just having the education on how to do it. So it's really interesting that you just said a couple of those things around processed and ultra-processed. And you said 60% of our diet is ultra-processed. But then you also said that the only reason why ultra-processed food is bad is if we have it in excess. 60% is kind of excessive, no? It is. And actually, this is the conversation, and that's why it has to be had, is that a lot of the convenience items, instead of having home-cooked meals that we're turning to, are not the best choices for us long-term every single day. And in fact, the scariest statistic is that out of all the children in the Western world, the kids in the UK are consuming more ultra-processed foods than any other country in Western society. That is the stats we've got. For me as a mother of two, that is slightly terrifying. You know, I go into schools and I offer my services for free to give nutritional talks all the time. But where is the funding into educating future generations on the difference between a slice of processed cheese 
and a slice of uh, cheddar cheese, for instance, or, you know, there's a big difference there. What is the difference? So there's some research, there's some fascinating studies that show that the amount of energy we absorb from you know, the American cheese that melts onto a burger or something that okay, people buy. Okay, like a dairy slice. You've got it. Got it. You've got it. So those types of plasticky filled cheeses have gone through additional processes to have the perfect melt, the perfect texture, the way that you um, could stretch the cheese. The cheese string. It's cheese string. Cheese it's these string. Um, man-manipulated processes to make us buy more, to make it gimmicky, to make us fascinated. Whereas a block of cheddar cheese isn't often used when you're out and about because it doesn't melt as quickly. Mm. But you actually don't absorb all the energy and calories from the food that you cook from scratch or that's minimally processed, which is why we may also have a problem with obesity because we're consuming 60% of our diets from ultra-processed foods full of emulsifiers, preservatives. There's a big conversation to be had and we don't have all the answers yet. So when we're talking about all this bad food, I guess, we shouldn't say that. There is no good or bad. (laughs) Okay, but I have a a little bit of a controversial opinion on that because I do also think that everyone is now saying you shouldn't demonise food, right? And I'm I'm not saying that we should, but also there are certain foods that are not good for us. Yeah, yeah, and that's, I think, um, let's take cake, for example. Uh, I call them soul foods. And I think that's quite a healthy way of looking at it, rather yes. than calling things good or bad. The yes, things, true. You know, my three-year-old was at two birthday parties this weekend. It did impact his sleep. I will actually go there and say that. And he had cake really? Saturday evening and Sunday evening this weekend, and he was up in the middle of the night, and it was a nightmare. But <laughs> never as, again. Yeah, never. Well, this is just <laughs> no, it. I'm just joking. For him to have a healthy relationship with food growing up, he has to realise and learn that there are these foods that we enjoy, but most of our diet, most of the time, if we see foods as kind of neutral, we're less likely to overeat on them. So I did a TED talk a few years ago and I discussed that there's studies that say if we enjoy everything in moderation, you're less likely to overeat or binge on them. People that have diet rules in their heads label things good, bad, are more likely to have binge eating tendencies or more likely to obsess over food and actually end up making poorer choices for their health long term. I agree. Which is another area of conversation that you think, how could this get even deeper? And it just did. And you've got to think about the way we're discussing food. Mm. Because to some people, the only thing they control every day and they use as a coping strategy is food. It's a motive. It's religious. Yes. You know, some, some religions fast. Some religions mm. go through all sorts of things they can and can't eat and they're labelled. So food is deep in our society and on so many levels. No, absolutely. And I think one of the things you were just discussing around scaremongering. Yeah. I think the problem we have now is that people feel like they can't eat anything. So I guess, how do we change that? And how can you and I change that? Because what I don't want people to do is walk away from this podcast feeling... Even more confused. Even more confused and even more like, oh my God, I don't know what to eat. So what can we do? Okay. The first good tip for everybody out there is just look at your plate. Is it a balanced plate? And that means, is there a bit of protein on there? Learn what your types of proteins are. You said as a vegetarian, it's the biggest misconception, plant-based eaters and protein. It's huge, right? Everywhere. Oh, where do you get your protein from? Yeah. You can exceed the amount that most people eat consuming animals, omnivore diets, by being plant-based because actually the amount of beans, pulses, tofu, alternatives out there now are so vast. And I don't know if you eat dairy or you don't eat dairy. No, yeah. Exactly. Cheese, kefir, which is a really good fermented option for people. Yogurt, such a great snack. And you can get plant-based options options of soy as well. In fact, soy is the most similar alternative for people giving up dairy if they're lactose intolerant because of the protein level in soy. But I I digress. So balanced plate, protein, carbohydrates, don't fear carbs, Mm. but pick the right ones. 
you know, it's things that are cheaper as well. Things like spelt, pearl barley, buckwheat. I love pearl barley. I love the texture. Until you try these grains, you're thinking, what is Rhiannon talking about? Yeah. Just boil them in a saucepan, the same as rice. It might take a little bit longer, some of them, although buckwheat is quicker. And they contain more fiber, more phytonutrients, more beneficial compounds for us because of the whole grains than white rice or pasta which or bread, which are the three go-to carbohydrates in the UK. So you've got protein, carbs. I want to see some color. Mm. Come on, give us some color in the diets. And that's so important. So you've got protein, carbs, fruits, vegetables, and a bit of healthy fat. And often that's what you cook your food in. Is it cooked in olive oil, extra mm. virgin olive oil, the most researched oil in the world? Really healthy, check the smoke points. That's how high, you know, you don't want to be deep fat frying, and I wouldn't recommend that anyway in olive oil. So if you have that at every meal, you've got some protein, you've got some carb, you've got some veg, you're kind of doing all right. And there's this misconception, the message is confusing, but it's not. It's about the quality and quantity of your diet, the two cues. But not everyone can afford a good quality diet, right? That is the argument. Um, and to a degree, we've got a lot of things that we need to hold the food industry accountable for. It's a this is a political discussion that I'm not equipped enough to even yes. have, but I have to say food manufacturers have a responsibility because they don't have to legally declare how much sugar and fat on the front of the packs. You know, the traffic light system, I yes. believe it's voluntary. Every country's got a different way of specifying if a food is good or bad. So what's the first thing you go to when you look at the front of a packet of food? I always look at the nutrition. So it will tell me the calories, the fat, the um, salt, saturated fat, and something up. And do you roughly else. know, do you go by the colours or do you look at the numbers? I never look at the colour. I've never looked at it in my life. I always look at the number. Interesting. Whereas yeah. some people always go by the colour. How interesting. Actually, really interesting you just said that. I've never noticed the colour. Yeah. And it's, it's also deceptive because it doesn't mm. always tell you what's in a product itself. Like if something had avocado or nuts in it, for instance, your fat be will be red yeah. and the calories will be higher. But it doesn't dictate the quality of the food. And we know calories are an arbitrary number. It's, it's 120 years old, this calculation that we're still using today, which is why calories do not really work for the mass majority of people out there. Really? And that so you should yeah. never look at calories. I'm not saying never. I think have a rough understanding, but use it as an estimation. Don't think it's, it's gospel it's black and white because it's not yeah how can you know if something's got 520 calories or something's got 550 I'm, I'm always confused I'm like mm. how do they know and all, well it's it's 30% inaccurate let's start off by that margin of error you've got to account for on a packet um, and then how you digest numbers will be different to me because we're unique and the example I used of cheese this is where the ultra processed food debate comes into our diets is that when we take um, a carrot it's got around 140,000 unique components in that carrot. The food matrix is what we call it. It's fascinating. All these amazing antioxidants, benefits that are designed to be consumed as a carrot in our body. Okay. What do we do? Pull out carrot essence. Pull out carrot flavor. Pull out um, an, a vitamin that we want from it or manipulate the food destroying that food matrix and then we expect the essence of carrot to have the same benefit in the ultra processed food we've then come up with from disassembling all these different foods and mashing it into one item uh, let's take cheese for example the processed cheese has lost all the components from that original block just to go through that processing which means you absorb all of the calories very quickly compared to the actual sandwich that was made from scratch with homemade bread, a slice of cheddar cheese versus shop-bought white bread and a slice of plastic cheese. 
So that's wow. the discussion. Yeah. How interesting. It, it's it's science. And that's what's so the science of nutrition. That's mm-hmm. exactly what it is. But it doesn't mean that having that odd sandwich every now and again is going to harm you. I think they're quite delicious. A ch- you know, toasted. Plowmans. I love Yeah, plowmans. you can't go wrong with a plowmans or a toasty when you're out and about. But just don't have them every day. I think I saw a meme actually and it said we've become so delusional as a society that somebody uploading pictures of them eating salads and greens are told that they're on a diet and somebody who's uploading pictures of them eating cake and pizza are told that they're normal and actually the healthy foods now so-called are seen as diets so people say this to me all the time I love salad by the way if I said I say to myself like if I had a chef that could cook for me every single day I'd wake up and I'd have a smoothie I'd have a salad for lunch and I'd have a salad for dinner genuinely I would and when you say salad I want to hear what your definition is because most people think a salad's just a plate of leaves Okay, mine is leaves, different mm-hmm. types, so like spinach, nice, rocket, that's good watercress. Lettuce doesn't give you much. So. Romaine as the yep. base, and then I would have some, maybe some brown pasta in there. Nice. Have some chickpeas. Nice. I'd have some kind of like feta or like halloumi or something. Yeah. I'd have some seeds in there, some pomegranate. Extra I would change veg. it up. No, I would never put oil on my food. Never put oil on. Do you know why? Because when I was younger, oil was demonized, and now I can't do it. I will put a dressing on, no problem. I love the Pizza Express house dressing. I love a mustard Even though there's oil dressing. in the dressing. Doesn't matter to me. I psychologically, love you Correct. see oil by itself, even though yes. you'd prefer to have it in a version of a dressing yes. packeted from a trusted brand. Which is very weird. because. But also, I don't actually love the taste of olive oil and balsamic vinegar. You know when people dress their salads like that? I don't actually love the taste, but I don't mind having a dressing. I mean, I love Caesar dressing. But the thing is, is I could eat salad every day for lunch. Mm. The problem is I don't feel like I have the time. Mm. And so like on a day like today, I actually have to go on a little experiment. Okay. I went to the shop. Yeah. I went to Amazon Fresh. Yep. And I got a meal deal. Nice. And I'm going to show you what I got. I, I think I got wait. a very healthy option. Yeah. Okay? And by the way, you don't have to eat salad every day to be healthy. Yeah, exactly. So let's but see. I'm just saying like, I'm just saying I would because yeah. I love salad. Okay. So I'm just going to show everyone. I've got a no duck hoisin wrap. I got a kombucha because I love Coke Zero and Diet Coke and I am now switching it for a kombucha. And I got a sweet and salty popcorn. So this is what I believe to be quite healthy for me. Okay. Right, let me have a look. Sorry, I'll throw it to you. Throw it to me. Uh, Oh, and then I catch it. (laughs) Oh, good catch it. I'm going to throw it nicely at this time, okay? Ah, Got it. Very good. And next one. And there we go. Right, okay. Right, fantastic. (laughs) Let's start with our wrap. Okay. Okay. Now, I know that's processed, by the way, but I just want to say also why I chose that. The the other options for me to choose were a pasta salad, which is not a salad. I think that was marketed in the wrong way because it was just pasta, mozzarella, Hmm. um, pesto. And that also had like 650 calories and like 30 grams of fat. So I said no to that. The other alternative was a cheddar cheese plowman's baguette, which I do love, but also was like a bit like too much. Yeah. And then there was like an egg and crust sandwich and something like that. Mm-hmm. So I chose this because it has protein. It's a wrap. Okay. And I like the fake meat. So I love the fact that... Oh, is this a veggie, veggie hoisin duck? Yeah, no, Fantastic. no duck hoisin, so it's plant-based. So I love your thought process with choosing it, first of all. And this is where I don't want people to freak out because you can buy packeted options on the go. Like, for instance, you mentioned protein. This is really good for you because yeah. it gives you 20 grams of protein, which yes. um, the average chicken breast is like 22. Which is why I also so chose it. Yes. It's on a par. Protein tick. 
Next, I'm looking for the extra. Now, the ingredient list on this, I don't know if everyone can see it. It's long. It's very long. This is huge. And for me, straight away, you know it's ultra processed because it's got to sit in this packet for what's the best before date. I don't even know what the date is today, let alone have a look. I think it's on, on the front. Six, but so what's the date today? What's the date today? Fifth. Fifth. So it's got to last fresh up until tomorrow. And I don't know if this was on the shelves yesterday or today. So it's going to have preservatives in it and things to preserve. But actually looking at it, no, actually, yeah, you have got malic acid, sodium carbonates in there, sugar. You've got dextrose, which is another word for sugar. I really should have eaten it before I asked you to analyse it. No, I'm not going to eat it. Okay, molasses. No, please do, because <laughs> mm, plum juice, cornflour, rape store, muscovado sugar, brown sugar, tomato. But that's just breaking down the ingredients that have gone into your sauce. You've picked an exotic flavour anyway with hoisin duck, which is going to have more combination of things. Of course. This isn't overall a terrible choice, but it doesn't have any vegetables in it like you think it will do because it's just got a few leaves and a little block of cucumber. It's not even um, one of your five a day. Interesting. I would not have thought that. Yeah, it's not even one of your five a day. About that. The big error that we find in the clinic is people that go to sandwiches and wraps for lunch, unless you're making it yourself, you will never get 80 grams of a vegetable, which counts as one of your five a day in a wrap. So straight away, lunch for you today sadly has fallen short of any plant points, which is what would be fantastic but your protein's up so you could then just compensate by eating more plants at breakfast or dinner i don't eat breakfast well this is when it gets the conversation again like if you think about getting all of that in one meal it's quite difficult whereas spread out across the day or have a snack that includes some nuts or um some carrot sticks or something yes. or an apple even an apple just something will help up your plant points that day it's about what you can add in not what you can take out this scores quite low on salt and sugar as in low because it's very high in both. <laughs> um, sugar's very high really? per pack. Yeah. And I won't tell you, it's fine. I it's fine. It. Fat's also high. Saturate's also high. Surprisingly for a plant-based option. Really? The yeah. It's high. I didn't actually check that this time. Yeah. Well, it's more looking at the saturate content, which is the largest um, predictor. Often people that have diets high in saturated fat are more likely to have heart disease and things later on in life. But this is why we shouldn't overanalyze one meal. Okay. Because it's what you eat across the day. But anyway, protein points, bingo, everything else not so good. Okay. But that's not too disastrous because you could then have bought an apple or something as well yes. to up your plant points. We instead went for a pack of popcorn, which I love. Instead of a pack of crisps? I love a pack of popcorn. This is one of the better ones. It's honest. There's only like four ingredients compared to your wrap of like a thousand. And it's just whole grain corn. Popcorn's actually quite good. It does count, I believe, towards a plant point. So it's not disastrous. Um, rapeseed oil, again, not terrible for you, actually. Misconceptions about oil. Everyone's going moment. on and on about rapeseed oil at the moment. They're going on and on about... Um, if you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound. And you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Highly processed versions of rapeseed oil merged with other vegetable oils. Got it. The oil itself, cold-pressed rapeseed oil, has actually got the same benefits pretty much as olive oil. Wow. I know, but I'll get demonised for saying that because people really don't like it. So I got a lot of hate when I said that last time. Um, glazing agent, it's got to be preserved in some sea salt. This is actually not that bad for you. And if you look at the fat content, less saturates than in your wrap and less, believe it or not, sugar. 
in your pack of popcorn. Shocking. Which then is in your sweet wrap. and salty popcorn yeah. as well. So popcorn, I love popcorn, but it's not going to keep you full. No. The fibre content, guys, is what I should be focusing on for your gut health at the moment. Not too bad, but not great. Not great. So far. I love kombucha. I okay. bloomin' love to me. kombucha. However, this kombucha... <laughs> organic extracts. Okay. So it's used artificial sweeteners in it. So in this one, you've got a mix. What's the point? They've got a mix of actual sugar and of artificial sweeteners together. I don't even check that. To make kombucha anyway, there's a level of fermentation. And it's then the manufacturer's choice if they go for a flavoured kombucha versus one that's also pasteurised, unpasteurised. At the end of the day, this is a far superior choice to a Coke. So you did good by picking this. The research is out there still on gut health and kombucha, but it's worth including purely because there might be some benefits, but we don't have enough data to concretely say so yet. So this is a lunch that I think I would say is quite healthy. If I was going for an unhealthy option, which you picked on another day, I would have picked the Plowman's Baguette, the Coke, Coca-Cola, and I picked a packet of crisps. Plowman's Baguette probably may not have been such a bad move depending on the type of cheese or how much veg you were going to have with it. Crisps, definitely glad you swapped it for popcorn, but I'd love to see a piece of fruit or maybe yes. some hummus and carrot sticks. <laughs> well, I think this is also the problem. I didn't yeah. have breakfast. I just had a coffee yeah. this morning. And I know you're going to ask me, have I had any water? And the answer is no. Mm. So fasting, I discussed this in the science of nutrition. And again, it comes up in the science of plant-based nutrition because everyone's unique. It works for some. It doesn't work for everyone. For some, it can instill bad food behaviours for the rest of the day. If you're a surgeon in a hospital, it's probably not the best approach to be skipping breakfast. And then you've mm. got to be operating on people. You know, we've got to think about lifestyles, truck drivers, all this sort of stuff. For you not to hydrate was probably not the best decision. Your body needs water when you wake up. You know, yes. you will be really tired and you will feel lethargic. And dehydration, as you know, is already present before you yes. actually notice you're thirsty. So let, let's improve the water intake. My question to you would be, could you possibly get 30 grams of fibre a day in your lunch and your dinner? Because from the two grams you've got from your lunch, I That's wonder... two grams. Two grams in your entire lunch. Would you be able to get... Well, 2.5, actually. I tell a lie, there's a 0.5. Would you be able to get 28 grams in dinner? I wouldn't even advise someone to start with that amount. I'd start easy off slowly. So you've got to think about your meals if you're fasting. They've got to be good to, uh, to prevent nutrient oh deficiency. Oh, my gosh, that's 2.5 grams of fat. 30 this grams is, a day we want, 30. This is up. where I think that I may be a bit delusional because I think I eat really healthy. Yeah. I do have a lot of like, the thing is with me is I have a lot of moderation in my diet. Yeah. But because I love salad so much, I would always choose a salad with any of my meals, by the way. And I'd always Which choose a good veg. Habit. Yeah. And like for dinner, I actually order these simmer meals. So they're yeah. like ready made meals and they have protein, they have carbs, they have fat, they have everything in them, fiber, all of those things. And it yeah. says what they have in them. Okay. And maybe I should have brought one for you to analyze of You've those. You've got ready too. meals. So that's also an ultra processed food. It's depending not ready on. Meal, it's a food service. Does that oh, make sense? Mind, like, you, like you make it yourself. No, they, they send it to me. So it's already been cooked for you. Yes, but I have to warm it up. And are there any preservatives to keep it fresh for a certain date? Or is it like. I don't a, see any E numbers on there. It could also be with different regulators. We'll have a look. Send it to me yeah. later. But you don't know. Some are really good. There are genuinely some really good meal options. And I don't. I need to have a look at the ingredients. I do know some companies like um, Ella Mills, Deliciously Ella, are making headway by trying to... All their products really? do not contain emulsifiers or preservatives. Okay. It's hard to do that because most manufacturers have it in everything. Well, I'll have that for dinner tonight. That will be my dinner. And I'll have it with a side of salad. But I doubt it will equate to 30. 
So, but the, the thing is, 30 sounds we like a big number educated Because I would say I'm very educated on nutrition and I'm obviously not eating enough fibre. Well, you want 30 plants a week and you want 30 grams of fibre a day. And um, it's difficult. They sound like big numbers, but I don't want people to just start off instantly. They've got to build this up over time. And don't, don't go hard on yourself because actually, you know, you are pretty healthy. If you look at the generic person in the UK who is not eating enough fibre over the course of a week. So ultimately, I'd really rather you focus on what you're getting across the course of a week. I want everyone to think about what you can add in. So you're having a package meal tonight, that's fine. It probably is really well balanced if it's from a company that says they do a good calculation yes. of that. But what can you add to it? Well, let's have an apple on the side. I keep going about apple. I love, ba <laughs> I love berries. I love whatever. It could be a banana or an orange. Yeah. I don't care. Uh, maybe a portion of like my son's got this obsession with red pepper. He loves red pepper. So I just add it to the side of everything. At least I know he's chewing on something that's decent. It's an extra point, you know. Mm. So what can you add in across the course of a week? That's so how true. we should be looking at our diets, not minimizing it to a miracle pill. There is no pill that will replace the benefits of a whole food diet. Not one out there. No supplement is more beneficial than what you can eat in terms of how our bodies are designed to absorb nutrition. So true. I think that's such a valid point because I think at the moment everyone's just promoting you to take any pill that's going to help you absorb this vitamin and that vitamin. I'm just like so confused but, by but it. There's only a small amount of vitamins people actually need. Vitamin D is recommended that everybody takes it, everybody in the UK from the kind of, you know, when it gets cold. Autumn. I do take a supplement for that, by the way. Perfect. Okay. Perfect. So vitamin D, 10 micrograms. Again, don't go too high. In fact, there's more stats. It's even more terrible. I feel like I'm just like the bearer of bad news. I'm trying to keep optimistic that you don't need a long list of supplements because that's the number one thing we see in the retrition clinic is people with tons of them. Increases your risk of cancers if you take too many supplements. No. Yes. And that is a stat. Um, and I don't think people realise the damage they're doing by taking a long list of powders and pills and concoctions. They just need vitamin D, certain amount. Don't overdose on it unless you are deficient. They only need, if they're pregnant, a multi. They only need iron if they're anemic. And if you're plant-based and you don't eat animal produce, you probably need a plant-based multi. I've got to ask a question. Yes. Because I'm seeing this everywhere and I'm like, is this, what is happening? Why is every company making a greens powder? Oh gosh, don't. What is it? Do you know, um, it's, it's money. It's money. They, they sell. I don't understand how you've got this long list of greens. Yeah. Greens. Yeah. And it's in a powder form and yeah. everyone's drinking it. It will never provide the same benefits. Like, I, you know, I discussed the food matrix earlier with the carrot example. Yes. There is no way you will get the full amount of benefits from drinking something in fluid compared to chewing. Our digestive process works when we look at food. Our mouth recognizes and gets the kind of enzymes ready to break down the food before we've even touched it. So you've got to think about the taste, the texture of the food, how our stomach acid reacts to the enzymes in our mouth before it goes down. Our gut bacteria knows what's coming. It gets ready to eat a percentage of that food. Our small intestines take the nutrients into the blood. Our body is amazingly equipped to eat food. We are not amazingly equipped to drink green powders. And it might be an okay form to fill a few gaps for some people, but it's not a guarantee. And I think some of these packs are like 100 quid a pack. Like they're not cheap. People no. are making a lot of money off people's vulnerabilities, lack of time, convenience, trying to say, it's okay, don't worry that you didn't cook today. Exactly. You can have, you can have my green juice. And do you know what? Half of that is true. The other half is we're not helping people get to the bottom of the problem. We're just putting a plaster on it every day. One of the things that I want to talk to you about is the links between our mental health mm -hmm. and food. Yeah. Can food make me feel depressed? 
food can absolutely impact our mood. I wouldn't say food alone is responsible for a diagnosis of poor mental health, but we have data from the SMILES trials, which was incredible, really high quality research that suggested that eating a Mediterranean diet alongside therapy is more effective than actual conventional treatment for depression. So it's more effective than pills and therapy that are originally prescribed. Diet is way more powerful, and that's a Mediterranean-style diet, which, guess what, contains oil, mm. contains loads of plants, contains fiber, because those things interact with our gut bacteria. We also know that 90% of our immune system, 70-90% resides in our gut. And our serotonin that we make, which is our happy hormone, is also linked to the interactions with our gut bacteria. Yes. These amazing um, components called short-chain fatty acids in the gut and different chemicals that the gut sends back up to our brain via something called the gut-brain axis. Our head is talking to our gut every day without us knowing it. We are not making the decisions. <laughs> it's like this incredible feedback loop. Yes, because people say your gut is your second brain. It is, because, you know, when you get nervous or anxious, um, I know you've mentioned really sad cases in your history where you physically were sick at yes. the thought of anxiety and nerves and things that were ahead of you, fear. Um, I remember I used to be a professional soprano before I went on to do nutrition, and before I'd go on stage, I'd always get that nerves, you know, the yes. butterflies in your tummy before you do an exam. It is intrinsically linked, so it makes sense that our mental health is absolutely impacted by the quality of our diets because i can't eat if i'm feeling nervous so some people turn to or away from food yeah i'm definitely yeah. somebody who can't i just feel sick and i don't want to eat anything yeah. but i've heard a lot of people say that if you cut out processed foods from your diet you'll see a significant improvement in your mental health is that true we don't have enough concrete data to say that because classifying the ultra processed foods and how much someone has in their diet i mean how can we possibly calculate that accurately at this point in time there's so many individual differences of food diary keeping you know some people don't log everything you might present yes. a food diary to a researcher and forget that you had this coffee earlier that had oh, yes. that had a artificial sweetener maybe it was a gingerbread flavored latte you know and you haven't written it down so getting that data is hard but i would say i think the impact comes from making your own meals if you're going to cut out ultra processed foods you're going to be cooking more yeah because the only way to do it is to cook a healthy balanced meal so it's not more demonizing that aspect it's the actions you take, your onus, your responsibility to start cooking more. That's going to have more of an impact on your mood. So can cooking certain foods make me feel happier? Probably. Really? Probably. So Over what... a period of time and okay. the right amount. So what are some of these foods that will are good for my gut? And why is why is everyone talking about your gut now as well? Okay. I feel like everywhere I'm looking, everyone's like, have this for your gut health. I'm yeah. like, I feel like this is also a new trend. Well, okay, I don't want to call it a trend. It's new research, which is really exciting that we actually concretely have, that we okay. all have unique bacteria strains that we're finding. Some people have more what we call good bacteria than others. It's impacted from birth if you were born via C-section or vaginally. No. Yeah, that impacts the bacteria. And then how you grew up in the city or in the country or the bugs you're exposed to then also impact your microbiome. And the diet you're fed as a child will then impact your microbiome. We've got this research called the first 1,000 days, which is the most impactful nutrient window for children, naught to two. I'm acutely aware of this, obviously, because I have a one and three-year-old at the moment. But the more variety you get, the better the diet between naught and two. That's when most growth takes place in your brain. That's when cognition, you can predict future IQ. All about the diet. Look at your face. 
Yes. It's called The First of Thousand Days. Anyone that wants to read more, it's called The First of Thousand Days. Hold on. Let's rewind. Hold on. So, so, so. Let's just, let's, (laughs) I'm I'm like fascinated. So if you have a C-section or you give birth through the vagina, that affects the microbiome of a baby. Because if you're born vaginally, I mean, this is going going in deep, you are going to be covered with the mother's natural bacteria in that area. So is that that better for you? Yeah. It's much better for you than having it. But but what I want to say is you... I mean, I've been there nearly having... You don't know what your birth outcome is going to be. Okay. As long as you deliver a baby, that's okay. I don't want women to think anything that they less. they have to have a vaginal no. birth, yes. But the research is, and it's the same with breastfeeding. So, yes. But it's hard. Having been through these things myself, there's not enough support for women, which is why births happen the way they do. And sometimes there is no avoiding a C-section. Yeah. That's okay. And some people elect for it. That's okay. Yes. So... Just, this isn't my area, but what I can say is the stats are you have a better chance of having a healthier microbiome if you're born vaginally, if your upbringing was great in terms of diversity, food. What about breastfeeding in terms of the upbringing? So how long should you breastfeed for? So people always want to know that. Breastfeeding is something, I'm not a lactation consultant, but what I can say is there's incredible immuno benefits for you and your baby, for the mum and for the baby with breastfeeding. Just by touching the nipple area, the baby stimulates a response in the mother and it's like a, um, you know, if the baby, if the weather's hot, the milk is watery. The weather's cold, the milk is thicker. There's this amazing interaction and the amount of bugs that we have in our breast milk in terms of good bugs help support the child's immune system, which is why they recommend even now a teaspoon of breast milk for children up into toddlerhood is really beneficial for them if a mother's able to do that. It's crucial in the first few weeks in terms of building but but at the end of the day there's a phrase fed is best and I know this is so emotive because I've had friends that can't breastfeed I was so fortunate to be able to do it with mine I had support both my babies had tongue ties babies are in the NICU they're born prematurely it's a really emotional conversation because women just don't have access to a lactation consultant we're not investing in women in this country full stop a whole other topic. What do you mean tongue ties? What does that mean? So tongue tie is when there is a form of skin underneath the tongue. So the baby can't lift their tongue up and it needs to be cut. Oh. Both mine had this and often it goes misdiagnosed and not picked up on. That does you, that mean they can't be breastfed at that time? So it can impact breastfeeding. So for instance, I developed blisters with my second and it wasn't picked up on for eight weeks in lockdown with my first. Gosh. And it was impacting the breastfeeding. I luckily had them cut and went on to have, you know, 22 months with my first I breastfed for and good 15, 16 months with my second. But that's thanks to me having access and money. I paid a lot of money, a lot of money to have that snipped privately. No because way. the waiting list on the NHS and people don't have that. So you can see now why it's such yes. a diff- women are not supported. No, enough. this is a very difficult topic. And what yeah. what I want to do from this conversation is talk about if you have the option, do if it. you can do give it. birth vaginally, do it. If you can't, it's still a miracle miracle if you give birth to a baby, yeah, in my equally, opinion. I think it's a phenomenal. It's you know, psychologically for some women, the only way they can face birth is to book a C section. Yes, and that's fine. And that's okay because yeah. you know you can then feed your baby certain of foods. Course. You can expose them to fresh air and grass and a good environment and exactly. that still will have a positive impact. But the data is there that breast milk contains because naturally it's designed to support your baby. Yes. You can't replace that, those elements of bugs and bacteria that are within the breast milk. 
milk. It's just so fascinating. It's, women you are know just what? amazing, aren't they? That Science. they produce milk for their baby. Yeah, w- women are remarkable. No matter amazing. how you feed your child growing up, women... Oh my god! Yeah, we're the best. Next level. But also, just on that, what I also don't want to do because I know I've I've seen this a lot, and people are going on and on about how they're breastfeeding their baby, and I think they're on some kind of like award that oh. they should win because they breastfed their baby only. I've I've heard people say, you know, I only breastfeed my child. I don't give them any formula, and I'm like, congratulations! I don't even have a baby, and I'm like. <laughs> You're making me feel as if like you know I what? should never think about giving my child formula. I'm not even married. Um, I don't even have a baby. You're making me feel bad. So look, I don't think we should be putting other no. people down if they can't breastfeed their if child. If it helps anyone, I'm a nutritionist and I can't be fed my second because the the difficulty of solely breastfeeding with another child and a career, for me, psychologically, it was too much. So I introduced formula and breast milk. But people sometimes, I've heard somebody say, I pump this milk, by the way. It's not formula. Because there's a stigma. Because women are criticised if they do or if they don't. It's like that Barbie quote. You know, oh, you yeah. can't... Um, I wish I could quote it really eloquently now. I know what you're talking now. about, yeah. But, you know, you... If, as you're a woman, you're an entrepreneur, you're a businesswoman, you're trying to do something, yet you can't be angry, yet mm. you can't smile too much, mm. yet you can't say you do this and you can't say you do that because that would make you look like this. Yeah. That is the problem we have. And women judge women just as much. You know, we are our own worst culprits. And until we start to realize we're just trying to have a conversation, there doesn't need to be an element of judgment. <laughs> yeah. We're discussing all sides of the equation here. That's what matters most to me is that we get good nutritional science out there, that we tell people it's not their fault, it's the system that we are in. And what's worse is that we live in a world where there's people in poverty and people in excess. Where is the middle ground? How do we change that? We change that with our own unique voices spreading a message and trying to do what we can, do our bit. Go to food banks, support where you can. Um, spread what the information you've heard on this podcast. So try and make little changes every day. If you are in a luxurious position where you can afford to think about what you add in, yeah, do it. Do something for your health, for your neighbor, for your family member. Just make that small change or have that voice. That's what I've written the next book for. The science of plant-based nutrition breaks down the environmental impact of food, sustainability, the fact the planet, global warming. Mm. It breaks down these stigmas that plant-based isn't vegan you can still eat meat and be on a plant-based diet but you just have 70 grams of it a week really yeah so the definition plant-based does not mean vegan and that is a huge misconception because it puts people off eating more plants whereas all you need to know is if you were just to reduce your animal produce intake you would be making a huge difference to your health and the planet because you'll still be having it but you're having more plants i think one thing you really highlighted to me is how much our socio-economic, environmental factors play into our daily diets, right? So I think when I first came in, you were like, that's an expensive meal, right? My, my lunch. But I told you it was a meal deal. But yeah. you're right. Like looking at a kombucha is quite yeah. expensive, which is also why I chose it because I was like, I'm going to get the most expensive option. Um, that's me being Indian. But, um, <laughs> you know, trying to find healthy yeah. foods can be expensive. I mean, I go into Whole Foods and to get a salad that's pre-made is £17. That's because you're going into Whole Foods. Which is a joke. Yes, yeah. but some people feel like they need to go into a Whole to Foods healthy. to be healthy. Some people feel they have to go to all of these expensive places okay. to get a healthy diet. They can't just walk into their Sainsbury's, Asda's, Tesco's. So what are some of the easy things that people can implement into okay. their diets that are cost-effective? Love your freezer. Could you tell me what's in the bottom shelf of your freezer? Ice cream. 
There you go. Well, at least you can tell me. Most people are like, oh, I can't remember what's in the back of that fridge, you know, or what's in the back of my freezer because it's been there for so long, sitting there for months. They can't tell me. Fresh veg isn't as nutritious as frozen. Frozen wins every time. No. Yeah, because it's been picked. It loses its um, oxidation happens, exposure to oxygen. It's off the vine. Um, it's then sat on a shop shelf for a certain amount of time, probably in a plastic packet. I haven't even touched on plastic yet because we don't have enough data there. Versus picked fresh, frozen, retains the nutrients, cheaper, way more cost effective for families living on a budget. I use frozen vegetables and I'd rather give my sons, my babies, frozen blueberries than fresh. What? Yeah. Hold on. But frozen fruit is, and veg is so much cheaper. Yeah, way Why cheaper. is it so much cheaper than if it's better for you? It's cheaper because it just lasts for so long. You can pick in bulk. It can just sit there for months and months. And it, you've got... Isn't it processed then to last for so long? No, because it's frozen. It's at that time... Don't get... I'm not the scientist that's going to explain how... Like freezing a body lasts... You know, they find bodies and mammals, don't they, up in the Antarctic that have been there for ages. That's how we study data. You know, paleoanthropologists look so at... true. If you want to freeze yeah. a body if you want to keep a body you've got to murder yeah so if anybody wants to do a murder now you know but, but oh yeah, my god so true freezing food it's such an underutilized resource most people have if you don't have a freezer i want you to have a think about your dry cupboard store so every dry cupboard store should have a bag of lentils should check, check. exactly cost effective cheap your cans canned food is not bad if it's not canned in syrups and it's yes. not canned in loads of salt. Just check just water, drain it well, wash it through, and then you've got really affordable, good access to food. Go for whole grains over white refined carbs. Have a think about portion sizes. Mm. Really think about your day. Am I having a really hectic day today? Like I knew I was coming to see you. I had to drive into Canary Wharf today, which was petrifying for oh, me, God, but I'm I did so it. Sorry. So I had a really good breakfast and I made sure I added loads of flaxseed this morning. And do you know what? I had cereal, which was ultra processed. And I know perfectly well that by pairing it with blueberries, flaxseeds, some nut butter, I weigh out my glucose spike. And it doesn't matter every now and again. I'm in a rush. I've got the kids. I can't always cook yes. from scratch every morning. So set a goal. Eat more plants. Add more herbs and spices. Cook one time more every week than you did the week before. Try different fruit. Try mm. a different veg. If you always have a banana, apple or orange in your fruit bowl or a pear, I want to see something different in your fruit bowl. There's so many options out there or in the fridge. The freezer tip is such a good tip. The freezer tip. it's cheaper and it's nicer. I love eating frozen fruit because it tastes yeah. like sweets. Oh, it's absolutely delicious and amazing for smoothies, amazing for every ingredient. Um, I make jam from scratch with my son by Aww. using frozen blueberries in a saucepan, you know, make it into a compote, add some seeds, thicken it up and then cool it and put it in a jar. It lasts three to four days. Wow. No added sugar. And then that's delicious if you spread it on toast. So open your eyes to the fact that you can eat well on a budget. You don't have to have meat to be healthy. And meat's expensive now. Fish is expensive. The quality of produce is declining in the oceans. It's declining in terms of agriculture. And, yeah, my tip would be try not to listen to headlines about nutrition in the press. Try and put your detective hat on if it sounds too good to be true. It probably is. Probably is. I've got to ask a bit of a negative question now. Okay. What are some of the worst foods we should avoid? I wouldn't say, in my line of work, running a clinic, I've noticed that by telling people not to avoid anything, they eat better. Okay. So I prefer to say to my clients, for instance, I've worked with a lot of athletes in Olympics, um, musicians you all all know on tour, very incredibly VIP type clients over in my time. And 
do you know what? They all want to eat perfectly. And the first thing they say to me is, right, what am I not going to eat this week? Mm. Tell me what I can never touch. Is it ice cream? Is it chocolate? And I'm like, no, I'd rather you have that for breakfast that day and then move on and have a really good lunch and dinner because your satisfaction rating will be met. So it's psychological. Psychology and nutrition work hand in hand. If you deprive yourself of anything, the minute you put it on that list, you're going to think about it the minute it's on that list. And a lot of clients, especially successful clients I have, are all or nothing types. Really? Can't have one biscuit, must have the whole pack. And that's because they're so hard on themselves. Whereas the minute you start to work on that, don't get me wrong, this is difficult work. I'm talking yeah. about deep, difficult, rooted, mm. psychological relationships of food. Weird challenges like chocolate for breakfast, you will feel so sick after eating a whole two or three chocolate bars for breakfast. You probably don't ever want to see it for the next few days. And then you realize you can just have a cube every now and again. Mm. I'm not saying people should go out and just have chocolate for breakfast. But what I'm saying is you've got to unpick that attitude of never eat these foods again. Obviously, please don't overload your cupboards with sugar carbonated beverages like Coke. And I would try and avoid jelly sweets and gummies and things like that have yes. them in like gelatine yeah i'd rather you have dark chocolate than have sweets okay because it's it counts as a plant point if you get over 75 percent. but doesn't hey it's ryan reynolds and i'm here with keith co-star of my upcoming film if only in theaters may 17th do you want to tell people the big news all right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. This all sound a bit silly, like chocolate counts as a plant point. Do you see what I mean? I, I get feel, what you mean. Yeah, but... I feel like everyone's like, oh, you, if you have I don't know, what did you say, a cinnamon? Yeah. That counts towards a plant point. Yeah, well, that's why plant points are not a measure for public health yet. Makes sense. That's why we're not telling everyone in Public Health England to go and eat loads of 30 plant points. Yeah. It's just we've got this data from the American Gut Project that that improves gut diversity and a good amount of good bacteria. Got so it. we know by eating more plants... It's beneficial for your health. It doesn't mean it's a miracle for your health. This mm. is this is a lifestyle. You've got yes. to do this forever. I'm not just saying for a week. I want you to eat forever loads of plants. And I guess if you're gamifying it like that, it's quite nice, isn't it? Yeah. So it'd be like, I've got this point and here. And also, I have chocolate every single day. Really? Yeah. And I maintain a perfectly healthy um, environment for myself by doing so because I have zero desire to go out and binge on anything. I'm very satisfied in my life and I've done that by enjoying what I want. One question I'm desperate to know the answer for because there is so go on, let much me see misinformation. Let me see. What bloody milk should I drink? <laughs> I don't know. Cow's milk has is, is got pus in it. Oat milk is starch juice. Soy milk will make me cry every day because it's got so much, I don't know, female hormones <laughs> in it. Almond milk is... Too sweet. Okay. Apparently I should milk my own walnuts. Look, look, look. Stop looking at milk as this nutritional source every day. And then I think most people will be all right. If you st if you go for fortified options, if you're plant-based, that's great. If you if you have a lot of it and you need that B12 or vitamin D or calcium that's added into it. At the end of the day, I think we're too reliant as a nation anyway on looking at milk as a source of nutrients for us past the age of toddlerhood. Yeah, I only have one coffee a day, but I'm so stressed out about what milk I should it's have. It's going to make no difference. And people say, Saying that oat milk's the devil is just not true. It's oat milk was never designed to be 
this healthy, it's just a tasty drink. It's an option for people that want to enjoy a drink. It's not meant to give you wonderful nutrition. Drink it knowing it will probably spike your glucose levels, but that's okay every now and again. Don't drink it thinking it's a healthy item because it's just carbohydrates mixed with water. So it's not healthy? Well, it's just carbs and water. It's just so-so. I'd say it's just carbon water. What else do you want me to say about it? It's not wonderful. It's not terrible. That's just, it's not even trying to be wonderful. But if I'm having two two coffees a day. Yeah. What's that? What time do you have those? I have it in the morning. Good. When I haven't eaten anything. Well, yeah. And then I have another one before eat I eat room. something. Yeah, I mean, I can't, without knowing you inside out with your health history, comment yeah. on that. Okay. But that's definitely not for everybody. And I will say for some people, coffee spikes anxiety massively. For others, it's really beneficial before 11 o'clock in the morning because of the sleep quality at night. Because it has a long my shelf anxiety. life. Yeah, well... Clearly, I'm. I'm you just need to come to the clinic and yeah, we'll have I think a chat. So. My, you know, you know, the thing is, I wake up and I'll have a coffee. Yeah. Sometimes I'll replace that with having like a green tea or something. Okay. But I would like to say, I will be honest. I'll have a drink of some sort, whether that's like a mushroom tea or a green tea. But on the days that I wake up really tired, which is quite often these days, I will have a coffee okay. and I have it with almond milk when I'm at home. Nice. And then I will have another coffee from like a Pratt or like another coffee shop, and that okay. will be with soya milk. So. Back this isn't back. something I would recommend because when we wake up, our level of cortisol, our stress hormone, is naturally anyway high because it's woken us up in the morning. And we want that level to go down across okay. the course of the day. But what you're doing, instead of allowing it to go down, is you're spiking it up like this. And then you get a huge decrease afterwards. And then you think, oh, I need another one now. Mm. So you spike it up again and then you decrease it afterwards. And these constant spikes and surges of cortisol are technically not good for us. There's some data that suggests that it might help us to store body fat in places we don't want, visceral fat around our organs. You can't judge a book by its cover. Yeah. Someone can be slim and unhealthy. Yes. Someone can be overweight and healthier than that slim person. You cannot judge a book by its cover. What I would say is, um, I write about this in my first book, Renourish, back in 2017, the blood sugar roller coaster, I call it. You want to be eating meals, three meals a day or however whatever eating pattern suits you that keeps your levels straight like a steady line throughout the day rather than spiking it up and down which is what coffees do one coffee fair enough if it becomes two three four this does happen i've seen clients mm. that have like eight or nine coffees a day they work in the city yep they're not fueling themselves properly they're just going to croissants then they're having coffees then they're grabbing a sandwich which again as we know doesn't have enough fiber or vegetables or fruit and it this is where the blood sugar conversation comes in. That is disastrous. It's the damage long-term we don't think about. And I think yeah. a lot of people, especially women, we don't think about the fact the minute we hit 25, uh, muscle mass, bone density, then you get to 30, then you get to 35, then you get to 40. Before you know it, perimenopause symptoms come on, estrogen declines, estrogen protects our bones. Diet is going to be playing a crucial role. Yes. And by fasting and just drinking coffee some days, right now might be serving you. Mm. That might not serve you in five, ten years' time. And you've got to think of, what can I add into my diet to protect my long-term health? I want to age really well. I want to be strong yes. for my kids in the future or for your life. You don't want to be struggling to lift your shopping bags on the way back from the supermarket. Nutrition is also about that. I think also it's really important to remember that every day is different. So today I haven't eaten until one o'clock, but yesterday I ate at 10 o'clock and then I ate again at 12 o'clock and then I ate again at four o'clock. Yeah. So 
every day is different. And I know that for me, when I'm stressed, I will delay it because I'd rather mm. drink like a coffee and work, which mm. is not healthy. But I also know that's not my everyday yeah. pattern. You asked me, what should you avoid foods? I'm actually going to tell you, avoid people that say this is what I eat in a day, especially if they're a health professional doing it because they should know better. And that is a big thing for me to say, but I've never in my entire career done one because I see firsthand the damage that it does to people in my clinic. I see, I have parents emailing me about their teenagers worried about their diets, their children that are watching these people online thinking because they look a certain way, the diet that they're showing is how they eat every single day. No one documents their crumpet with butter and cheese that night. People will document their delicious, luscious salad with goji berries and expensive added items. I don't know. And we have to remember that how we age and how healthy we are is not going to be seen on the outside. And instead of following trends, let's try and think 20, 30 years ahead because it comes around fast. So true. Yeah. So true. I mean, I've really taken away from you that I really need to be a bit more mindful around my five a day and I would actually say I'm somebody who's quite healthy like I said I eat a lot of fruit and vegetables but that lunch doesn't have any and so tonight I'm going to add lots more to my diet and I think that's what you're really trying to say isn't yeah, it? Yeah and I, I could add you know what I could easily have said there is actually in some countries did you know it's 10 a day but I knew that yeah. would be a scaremongering thing to say for people so I think look let's just but at the end of the day five a day isn't achieving people aren't achieving it yeah what I just want you to try and do is add more in don't be scared to add more food because of numbers like mm -hmm. there's no harm having that piece of fruit with your lunch because people have said fruit is bad I want you to have it because it's got so many amazing properties within it if you eat it whole yeah that's the key message is try and think what you can add in yeah I'm frozen that what you're talking about frozen yeah. food I mean I've heard people say it before but I didn't know that yeah it's way better for you than fresh and, and it's more affordable it's easier you can definitely add it in. So yeah. thank you so much for this discussion. I'm so excited for your new book. Thank you. Yes, when is it out? Yeah, not out till June. So we've got okay. a while, but people can pre-order now and June the 27th, The Science of Plant-Based Nutrition. It's for everyone, all ages. It's the sort of thing I want to see in universities. I want to yeah. see it in schools. I want my kids to grow up and see it on people's coffee tables. That's, oh, I'm excited. Amazing. Well, thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you.